I am so excited to share this week's episode with you. This week, I have Ashlyn Mitchell on the podcast. She is someone who I've watched on Instagram and truly just loved her content. Whenever I see her stories or engage on one of her posts, it is just like a very calm, healing environment. She is so wonderful. So let me give you a little introduction to who she is before we dive in to this week's episode and my interview with Ashlyn. So Ashlyn runs and owns multiple businesses while mommying two tween girls as a single mom. She co-hosted the top 10 podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, and she now shares on her new podcast, This Is Ashlyn. She coaches women to thrive after betrayal through a group setting and an online program. With her real-world example of what's possible after betrayal and how to live boldly with compassion and forgiveness while being boundaried and free from the past, she is an advocate for women who want to live a life full of adventure and freedom. Okay, you guys, I love in her bio that she says to live boldly with compassion and forgiveness. Here's the deal. I always talk about being bold and living boldly and how it doesn't have to look like me. And I feel like Ashlyn is such a great example of how this works while not being me. (laughs) So I want you to see the different examples of this. It is so powerful to see different examples of living boldly. So go check her out. After you've listened to this week's episode, you can follow the links in our show notes to find her podcast, to find her on Instagram and the resources that she has on her website. Check her out. Can't wait for you to listen. Hope you enjoy. I reached out to her just like people do to me today. And I shared my story for the first time through a Facebook message. And she was like, oh my gosh, come to this conference I'm putting on. There is so many resources for you to heal. There's resources for your partner. You're not alone. And it blew my mind. Like, wait, what? Why didn't I know? I wish I had talked to someone 14 years ago. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Okay. So Ashlyn, I am so excited to have you here today. I have recently found you probably in like the last six months to a year and just your story resonates with me, even though it's a totally different story and experience. But that's kind of the thing I love is that it doesn't have to be the same story Mm -hmm. to be able to feel connected. And also partially why I love the internet. (laughs) I have issues with the internet. But I also love it because we get to find other awesome people out there and other people who help us feel inspired. Totally. I think I should hate the internet and what it did to my life, but also look what it's done to my life. I love it. So I feel you. Yeah, it definitely has that balancing of both worlds for sure on there. So to start off today, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us about you. Tell us about your story. And then we will dive into some things. Well, we'll do the short version as much as I can. But I got married when I was 19, really young. And I got married because we were very in love and wanted to have sex. That's the reality. We were religious. And so we didn't know each other as well as maybe we should, right? Mm -hmm. But week one, I felt uneasy. Something was off. And the secrets began on week one of our honeymoon. 
which kind of blows my mind Wow, that I, I didn't say anything for so long. I just thought this must be how marriage is. So I kept to myself. I said nothing, told no one and felt incredibly alone for years. And about year six, he was caught having an emotional affair, which a lot of people don't understand how devastating that can be. But the secrets that had begun on week one were his compulsive use of pornography in secret. And so I didn't know about it, but I would start to see signs like he's hiding things or hurry and turns the channel when I come in or that type of thing. Right. And so I, I was very aware that he was using pornography for the physical part. Right. And then now he was connecting with someone for the emotional part. So I felt pretty devastated and like, wait a second, I'm right here. And he's not choosing me. He's going to someone else. It started in a work situation where they were commiserating about their relationships. And we went to, we were um, LDS, Mormon at the time, and went to our religious leader, the bishop. And he just said, you need to get over it. This isn't, there was no physical touch. And so it's not that big a deal. And so I just shoved it down. (laughs) I shoved it down and it came out in a lot of anger and pain for a lot of years. And I did not understand who I was. I would say things that would never come out of my mouth. I was so mean. And I would literally leave the room and go, who am I? Like, what did I just say and do? And he's over there going, what the heck? Like, of course, I don't want you. Like, who have you become? And so six years later, well, we had our two kids after eight years of marriage. And so I really just found myself diving into motherhood. I had a career before found motherhood and just like, I'm going to just, you know, numb with all of that and not think about it and not worry about my relationship. We tried therapy on and off here and there, but just, you know, regular family therapy. So that wasn't very helpful for us, but you're 14 of our marriage. I had found out about this thing called betrayal trauma. And I heard about it by someone posting on Facebook her own story. And it was a girl, I was an acquaintance from high school and I was terrified. Like, oh my gosh, does she know my story? Why am I seeing this? <laughs> and because I literally had told no one about the affair or the pornography use. And I reached out to her just like people do to me today. And I shared my story for the first time through a Facebook message. And she was like, oh my gosh, come, come to this conference I'm putting on. There is so many resources for you to heal. There's resources for your partner. You're not alone. And it blew my mind. Like, wait, what? Why didn't I know? I wish I had talked to someone 14 years ago. So I had a partner who was on board with healing. And that's pretty unusual. Yeah. And he was tired of it. He had used secret porn since he was seven. And he was just like, I'm done. This is eating me alive. So we signed up for specialized therapy. They deal with sex addiction and betrayal trauma. And so it was very specialized and focused on what we needed for the first time. And six weeks into that program, he came to me and said, I need you to know that I've had a second affair. And it was a year ago and I was never going to tell you. And now I know I have to. And it was devastating, but I was also in a place where I knew I had support and I had some new skills and that it was worth fighting for, for me. And I didn't want any regrets. We went into it and we worked recovery. Like it was a job. 
And we were like, we're going to do this. And I hated it in the beginning. And then I loved it. (laughs) About a year and a half into our recovery process, I told the therapist, I would love to give you a testimonial, you know, anonymously, because this is a huge deal. People can find hope. And they said, how about we do a video instead? And it was like, uh, no, no, because this is the secret that I've carried for what, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't want to share it publicly. I was already doing my Instagram under, it's called, this is Ashlyn now. And I was public, but not sharing real stuff, like a little bit of hints there and there that my life wasn't perfect, but it never anything like detailed. Anyways, after a couple months, I agreed. We did the videos, a his and her story, and they went viral and our world changed. And it was like, (laughs) oh, crap. So (laughs) it was not what we planned. And it radically changed our life. And we started a podcast, The Betrayed the Addicted Expert, which we did as a couple with a sex therapist, or sorry, a certified sex addiction therapist. And then we did that for four years. And in 2011, our 21st anniversary, we felt like we were in this place of rebuilding and we were happy and blah, blah, blah. And everything shifted. And he said, maybe similar to your story, I need to live my truth. And my truth is I don't want to be married anymore. And it blew my mind. Like I was, you know, hindsight 2020, there were some signs, but it rocked my world. Yeah. Incredibly rocked my world. And so I was in a place where I'd never been before of depression, suicidal ideation, and, you know, having a very public podcast with millions of people around the world invested in your relationship. And here we are going to just say, never mind. Yeah. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. And so it just felt like a lot. So I've spent the last year, we just had the year mark of deciding to go forward with that. And I'm in a very different place. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a couple of days ago you were posting the pictures of, you know, Ashlyn even just a year ago yes. and Ashlyn today. And there is like you can see just the heaviness that's been lifted, even though I know you're very much you very vocal about the fact you're still in that healing process. But just yeah. and I totally relate to that. There is in the healing process, even just taking that step forth and embracing that you're going to heal lifts a weight. Yeah. <laughs> Takes yeah. the cloud away. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So I want to go back to a couple of things, first of all, before we kind of dive into, um, because yeah. you, like what I love about you is you share openly, like the things that work for you in yeah. healing, like the things you've done for years, like you're saying clear back in that betrayal, not just since you're getting divorced, but the things you've done for years to heal. So I want to dive into some of those to help people start creating ideas of their own Perfect. of how of things they can do. But before I really, there are a couple of things we've talked about on the podcast that I want to dive into with you before we go there. Okay. You said talking to your bishop that yes. he told you that since there was no physical, mm-hmm. anything physical going on that you needed to get over it. And I <laughs> die when I hear that. But it's such a real story. In fact, we just had a whole month, a couple months ago, talking about this, that we hear these things from our leaders that in the church, leaders in the church, and Mm -hmm. I'm doing air quotes here, they're not trained. Mm -hmm. They're not relationship therapists. And yet we treat them like that so often. We totally did. Yeah. Yeah. And us as women, especially, I think, feel like, well, my leader said it, so Mm -hmm. I have to follow what they said. Yeah. 
Oh, and it which just... is it's heartbreaking. And yes, you know, looking back, I hold no ill feelings yeah. towards that bishop because he had no intent to make me suffer. Exactly. Yeah, he was like, "Let it go, forgive," you know. And it's all of us want that, but it's mm-hmm. not as easy as just saying, "Let it go." Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I love that you also in that are saying that you don't hold that ill will towards him because, again, what's the point? You've had a journey. You are who you are because of that journey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But also for women who reach out to me and they're like, well, my bishop encouraged me to do this or that. And I'm like, and how do you feel about that? Like, really, how did that advice feel to you? And they're like, well, it made me really (laughs) angry. Yeah. Trust that anger. Like, I honestly believe that sometimes you're told those things so that you know it's wrong. Like, you yeah. know, that isn't the right path for you. Man, Jessica, I needed you in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you go back and help me? Because I was definitely not checking in with my body or my mm. heart. There was no oh. intuition there. It was just like, okay, I'll just do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm still active in the church. I still mm-hmm. go to church. But I also feel like this is something we need to like help women understand, especially that you get a choice. You have a voice. And ironically, I did find, um, I'm no longer in the church, but again, no ill will. I found content on emotional affairs in the handbook for the church. And so I was like, wait, they do think it's a big deal. But no one was reading it, I guess. I don't know. Mm -mm. (laughs) Hopefully we're making progress and we've come a long ways. And also acknowledging as leaders that we don't know, let's send you to somebody who can actually help. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Some humility there. Okay. So one of the things that you just said was you wish that you had like that now you know how to listen to your heart and your body. Our body tells us so many things and we don't listen to it and haven't figured out how to listen to it or been taught how to listen to it. So I would love if you talked about how you now listen to your body and your heart, like some of the things that you notice. I'm, that's kind of a broad question. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever but comes it, to mind when you think of that. It has been a process to learn because, like I said, I was very disconnected for that was intentionally right. Like it was mm-hmm. so uncomfortable. I didn't really know how to feel except mad. And so it was just like numb it all. And mm-hmm. In turn, I had a lot of physical pain. I actually had, I've not shared this, but I had a tooth that came out. Like I broke the tooth and so it came out molar and tried to get it repaired. Like let's have a bone graft. And the bone graft failed three times. My body would not accept it. And the specialist was like, this never happens. I don't understand why your body won't take it. That was the time he was having an affair. So Mm. I knew like my body was definitely like something is not right. And I'm going to tell you to like wake up in a really weird way. It took three years for me to get that tooth. Finally, the bone graft to work and the implant to stand. I had the implant literally fall out of my mouth. That's how much my body was like, no. So I remember going to a conference, that first conference I told you about, and a specialized therapist said, raise your hand, room full of women, raise your hand if you are physically ill. So you have fibromyalgia or something like that, you know, and, or if you have depression, anxiety, or you're not sleeping well, you're like 99% of that room, raise their hands. And we all show it in different ways. 
but that's when I started like, okay, wait, so dis-ease in my body is telling me something, there's cues. So even a headache, instead of taking Tylenol really quickly, like, wait, why am I having a headache? Have I drank enough water? Am I holding in a lot of emotions? Am I mad? I can still take the Tylenol, but I'm going to think about it before I just try to solve the problem of the pain. And crazy enough, I had a ton of back pain. You know, I have scoliosis and I'm fused down my spine. And so I had back pain for three years. I kept trying to do all these things. And when I finally had the surgery to relieve the pain, all of a sudden I started to feel because I just numbed my body because it hurt so much. And when I started to feel my body, I started to feel my emotions. And I was in therapy healing from that betrayal. And it was like all the floodgates just opened. And I was starting to meditate. I took a mindfulness course called MBSR. It's mindfulness-based stress reduction. And it taught me how to check in with my body. So when I'm feeling off, like, why is that? And then I started to get into feminine and masculine energy which you can think what you want, but we carry energy. And our left side is our feminine. Our right side is our masculine. So emotional on our left side, logical on our right side. Guess where I always have pain? My left side, that is the emotional side. Like if I don't speak up and share my truth, I'm not feeling safe. I'm not feeling heard. My throat tightens. My throat chakra literally tightens up. And it feels like I can't talk or I can't breathe. My shoulders and my neck tighten up. Like they're kinked. Sometimes I can't even turn my head. I can go and I can get a massage. I can go and I can take all the medicine or I can listen. And I can say, what in the heck is going on? And so mindfulness for me is a giant thing. Mindfulness can be practiced all day, every day. And then doing meditation to just check in with my body. I just do four minutes. It's not anything big. I also exercise. I do 30 minutes of intentional movement six days a week, and I've done that for nine years. I've never been committed to anything until then because I knew when I started it, it was like, okay, one, this makes my brain feel good. Like the endorphins, the dopamine. I felt confident because I was being consistent for the first time. But also I could, like now I'm 41, I can trip and fall. And guess what? I don't get hurt because I have mobility. And so it's just a very different experience for me now, years later, to recognize what my body's trying to tell me. And especially my, my heart and my intuition, I feel it. And it's scary to listen and to ask the hard questions. But man, it gets me out of assuming and building mountains out of molehills real fast. <laughs> yeah. There's a piece that comes when you dive into the hard questions, whether you're mm. asking those just of yourself, of saying, oh my gosh. And it's interesting because I I can feel like the parts of my body, as you're mm. talking about that, I have very similar parts of my body yeah. that I feel the same way. It's, the, it's my shoulder right here. Like I can feel it. And I have like jaw issues and these things. Mm. But it's just that like listening in, it is scary because you know mm-hmm. – you're going to act on it. Yes. Once we can, <laughs> if we listen, then we have to do something. And I don't yes. want to do something. <laughs> it's like that something is hard. It's going to be hard. Uh-huh. But dang, it is worth it. And I, when I talk to women as well, I'm just like, I know this is, it is uncomfortable. It yeah. is scary. But isn't it scary to think you're going to stay in this spot 
forever? Forever. Because if you don't do anything, I mean, you were there for so long. Like you Mm -hmm. talk about this. Okay, I'm going to pull up something. So on your stories, I think it was just yesterday, you posted the paradox, Mm -hmm. like a slide that you wrote this out. And I am going to read it because I (laughs) loved it so much. And it says, I could have stayed married and happy if he had chosen to, but our path after healing the pain of addiction and betrayal was to live life as co-parents. And I so relate to that. After I got over the rejection, I felt gratitude for him choosing that path for us. I am glad he spoke up so neither of us had to live with resentment and unhappiness. So much power in this. And I keep thinking the shift in how we think about divorce right here. I mean, that's where I'm at with women I coach is that they're shifting this mindset around divorce of we get so hung up on what we're losing. Yeah. And I want to be like, but what is out there for you? Like, what do you get to gain? I know it's scary to think about that. Even to think about how we Uh could be happy is scary because we've been taught this is our path. We're going to get married. We're going to stay married. We're going to be this supportive, doubting, loving wife. But to think that there might be something else can be really Mm -hmm. scary. But dang, it's exciting. And then you say, the happiness I found after our divorce is something I would have never known. So it's bringing up grief. It's so weird, but it's, I'm happy, happy right now. Things are really good. And yet, because they're so good, I'm starting to go away. I go to comparison a little bit of saying I was happy then, but also I didn't have a partner who wanted me fully. I didn't have a partner who was 100% in. So I had some resentments and I was feeling unlovable and rejected and not chosen was my big, my big fear. Mike, it's still there a little bit. I've been working on it for years. So yeah, it's letting go of that and allowing myself to feel both. I'm happy and I don't have regrets. Also, I have regrets. (laughs) So it's, it's confusing. (laughs) Well, and I think that's such a hard thing for people to grasp is that you can have all of these conflicting feelings in one, and that's not wrong. That's actually a beautiful thing and gives you hope. I feel like that, you know what, I am happy, but dang it, it sucks (laughs) that I miss these other things and Mm -hmm. that, you know, I gave up so much of myself for so long. And it's interesting to me because I think of it, I don't really think of this in my first marriage. I think of it in my second marriage, like my husband now, the first part of our marriage was so hard and I was, I was a mess. He was a mess because of his betrayal trauma. And then I was trying to figure out what the heck just happened to this man I married and not realizing because he wasn't communicating that betrayal trauma. Anyway, so we spent a good three, four years trying to figure that out and working through that. And it was hard. And so there's part of me, you talk about giving away your power of feeling enough, um, Mm -hmm. of feeling sensual, beautiful, fun, successful, powerful, soft, smart, playful, and taken care of. It is interesting to me because I relate to that in my second marriage. And I'm still married to him and we have healed and we're in a great place. But there are still those feelings that I relate to in that. And then I love that you owned your part in it. Because I think that is such a a big part of healing as well, is just owning our part. Mm-hmm. Because it gives us back our power. Mm-hmm. 
Do you feel that? I, oh, what yeah. What are your thoughts on that? There's always two sides and we're always going to see and view the world differently. And I could say he made me feel this, but no one can make me feel the way I feel, but I can allow someone to take my power. And I absolutely did that. And I also took his power. So we were doing it to each other in very different ways. And ironically, we felt similar. We both didn't feel enough. We didn't feel chosen. And so it was just like, we don't fit together anymore. You know, we've both been able to to heal these really hard wounds that we had together. And now we're going to take that healing and go into our newfound lives of happiness. And I will say going a little back, that mind shift for me to find gratitude in his choice took a long time. Like in the beginning, I was like, no, don't tell me to be grateful and happy. And I had so many people around me just supporting and therapists and my business partners who were like, you're going to do this the right way. You're going to be a great example of divorce. And I was like, no, I'm not. Shut up. I hate him. And so for me to shift that was a big deal because I did not feel that. I was so rejected and hurt and like, wait, I forgive you for all these things. And now you're just leaving? Like what? It didn't make sense to a lot of us, including him. And it was incredibly hard for him to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Knowing that there wasn't this like huge reason, it was just, I'm not happy. And so as hard as that is to swallow, it also, now I can look at it and go, it's a gift. He gave me a gift that was truly a gift for himself to go and live his life, how it's meant to be lived for him. But for me to see and see the world differently and to put myself in relationships that I would have never dreamed of. So it's a gift. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you talk about how it has been such a process because Uh. I've been in those positions where you're just like, I am going to stay here forever and be so mad and angry and then come back with my tail between my legs realizing that I don't want to stay here. Yeah. It feels (laughs) icky. I was just, I mean, I know all the things, right? Yeah, but you put me in a new arena and I'm like, nope, it's not the same. I'm not doing it. You got to learn it all over again. (laughs) Yes, yes. And it is a process that ideally you start to recognize and you're like, okay, like you're saying, you start to tuning into your body, to your soul, to your feelings, to all of those things. And so then when you are ready to let those feelings behind, you know where to go. You know, it's going to take time. So. Can I share one thing you made me remember? Yes, please. So about a month after we had decided to do this and I had, you know, spoken to a doctor and my therapist about the suicidal ideation and gotten to more of a stable place, I told him that I needed to get away and that the red hills of St. George, Utah, where I was from, those red mountains, they were calling to me and I just needed to go be. So... I didn't ask for permission, but I was like, this is what I need. And you're going to have to take care of the kids and the business. Like we're stopping all that. And he gave me that space. So I went for five days to St. George, Utah, the desert. And it has these beautiful red rocks. It's like Mars. It's incredible. And lots of hiking. And I just went, I made no plans with anyone. And I went and hiked from morning till night. I journaled. I sat and cried for hours. I walked alone. I read the book called Conscious Uncoupling that forced me to walk through the process of like being mad and then seeing the good 
in our relationship and then seeing like my future and what it could be and having gratitude, like it forced me to feel and to connect back to me. And I went into that five days, just like terrified. What am I going to do? How are people going to receive me in my new story to leaving going one? I don't care what people think. This is my story. I care what I feel and what I think, which was, I mean, it sounds stupid, but when you're in the public eye and people are invested, it is weird. We created, you've created a weird world. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so letting that go was, was hard, but also freeing to say, there's hope. I have hope. I'm going to be fine. I know how to do this because I've done it so many times before. I know how to get out of the stuckness and the hurt and the, you know, the pity party. So speaking back to utilizing tools to help Mm -hmm. you get through, it is so much listening to what it is you need. So like hearing you say, I needed this space. And while you didn't ask for it, you do have to, I mean, you've got kids involved. So (laughs) you need some support somewhere. And I think people get hung up on the asking for that support or getting Mm -hmm. creative on how to make what it is you need happen. And I also feel like sometimes we think, well, it has to be like this long. It has to be perfect. (laughs) Like it has to be this ideal situation. And I always, I'm like, maybe, maybe you can't go for five days. You can't go for a week. Let's say, see if you can go for even a night, like even take a night or two or whatever it is that's calling to you, even saying sometimes it's hard for people to say, I just need to go for a walk. Like I yes. can leave the house for an 100%. hour or 30 minutes. But there's healing in that, in listening yeah. to that, in that moment of I need to take this time. I was up in the hot tub with my husband the other night with Matt and we've had an inversion and it's just been nasty and I haven't gone outside. And so finally he was like, Jessica, go for a walk. Who cares about the inversion? Who cares? Like get outside. And so I was like, okay. And just going outside for that walk and the inversion cleared for the time I was out there. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So added bonus. But it doesn't like acknowledging that it doesn't always have to be the ideal for mm-hmm. it to be effective and meaningful. 100%. I love that you did that. Yeah. Well, and I was very privileged to be able to do mm-hmm. that. And it was a stretch. And I didn't I was like, I don't care. I need it right now. So for sure, figure out what works for you. And it is the tiny moments and the big moments. Yes. And asking for help is incredibly uncomfortable, but I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Well, and especially in those situations where the kids are involved, a lot of time you're asking your ex for help. And that can feel really uncomfortable for some people, especially if you don't have a working, Mm -hmm. you know, an easy relationship. I I don't want to say working because I always feel like our listeners know that Matt and I have a different relationship with his ex than we obviously have with Steve, but they both work. They're yeah. both working in different ways. It's yeah. not the same. It's not what we planned, but they work. <laughs> so anyways, but just taking that opportunity. And it's not selfish. No. It's not selfish to take those moments. So. No. Some of the other things that I found that kind of catapulted me, that being outside hiking, getting back to the things that I loved and just being alone used to be something scary for me. Alone meant I'm in my head and I want to be in my head because it's like, oh, it's so hard. But in my head now where I've learned to journal and process 
in my head now where I can find solutions and listen to my intuition. I may not be religious, but I'm spiritual. I can still go and have moments where I, at this point, still believe in a God and can have those long talks where I pour out my heart and I need solutions. I need direction and ask for that and to really feel that. And for me, being connected to nature, that's like a hundred percent. I need that. And if you think about it, it's like, well, it's mother nature. She's nurturing us. Right. And so for me, it's, I needed to be nurtured. I was feeling heartbroken. And so when I'm up here where it's not the desert, we have the inversion, we have the snow. I also found myself up in the mountains skiing, like uh, cross country skiing, which is very different than downhill skiing, very different vibe. And I was alone and I would cry and it would snow. And it just felt like God was like hugging me like, hey, you got Mm. this. You got this. I love that. I love it. Awesome. So I want to just recap like some of the things you have said here in passing. We've talked about so many things that tools that you Mm -hmm. utilize to help you. So meditation. And you were saying you do just like a short meditation, four minutes, which I love. That feels doable to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do guided Um, sometimes because awesome. you don't have to know how to do it. You can just sit and do it your own way. Lay in bed. Love it. You talk about working out. Working out is a huge one for me as well. Mm -hmm. And just consistently moving your body. I also love that you show on your Instagram that sometimes, you know, sometimes that is like a intense workout and other days it's a long walk. Yeah. Because you do, that is another part of it. I used to work out and be like, I'm following a program and I got to do this this day. And when my body didn't want it, I was still like, nope, got to do it. But now it's like, I don't want to. Yeah. One, like emotionally, I don't want to. Or emotionally, I need to go and do some kickboxing before I attack someone, you know? So I listen to my body even with intentional movement. So that's even changed. Love it. And I... Yes, that's what <laughs> I've embraced in the last couple of years as well. I don't care what the program is. I don't care what mm-hmm. I should be doing. I care about what my body and soul want. Yeah, awesome. Um, so meditation, working out, journaling, journaling, which yeah. is which yes. I have a prompt on my Instagram. Uh, maybe I'll repost it um, when this comes out. I'll do it the same week so that you can be directed to it. But it's basically I start with I feel. And I use the feelings will, feelingswill.com is the website. And I go through the list of emotions, which is many, like 50 different emotions that I can be <laughs> feeling good, hard, heavy, that. And I list all those things. And then I go into, I fear. This is the story mm. I'm making up in my head. And that's where I make mountains out of molehills. I start to make assumptions, some based in truth, but then I blow them up. So I just write it all. It's all crazy. Like if somebody yeah. was reading it, they'd be like, dude, calm down. But yeah. I'm try- that's me trying to calm down is I uh-huh. send a paper or type it on my notes on my phone. I've got to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing I do is I find truth. Like what is true here? Because I am assuming a lot. And mm-hmm. my, what is true is usually really small because <laughs> uh, not a lot of it is true. I'm really making a lot of it up in my head. And then the last thing is what can I do? So there's always a solution, whether it's calling a friend, getting another appointment for therapy, doing some self-care, going on a walk, like you said, like there's so many things we can do, but we sometimes think there's only like 
one or two answers. And there's so many, there's yeah. so many. Yeah. And so there's a lot of science behind pen to paper with journaling and how it stops the broken record. And so yeah. that's become a great tool in my tool belt. Yeah. I'm obsessed with journaling <laughs> and it doesn't have to be complicated. Like it can mm-hmm. be simple, but just no. writing things is very therapeutic. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Anything else about what we talked about that you want to share? We'll definitely get into how people can contact you in a second. But. Yeah. In my groups, I coach women who are moving through betrayal and I call them daily. So some of them I've already mentioned here, spiritual devotion, devotional or meditation is included in that. Um, one healthy meal a day. As dumb as that mm. sounds, a lot of us mm. aren't doing that. And I teach fitness and nutrition too. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to like force it down your throat, but you should probably eat some vegetables. <laughs> like, I mean, it's going to make you feel better. And then staying hydrated, half your body weight in ounces of water every day, not soda or coffee, <laughs> like yeah. many of us. And then gratitude. So we find three wins every single day before we go to bed, which is sometimes hard, but it's like, you know what? Today I showered. Yeah. Today I got out of bed. It can be so simple, but when we can go to bed feeling like, okay, relief, right? Another is checking in with myself and staying connected to my needs. And I ask that of the girls uh, every week, also staying connected to their partner. So you guys, I mean, I've listened to your story and to me, it was a really great example. First marriage sounds like second marriage too, of staying connected of Mm -hmm. here's what I'm feeling, which sounds really stupid, but most marriages, that's not happening. Like I want to know where your inner critic, I want to know where you're at so I can be a support. So I can relieve some of your stress or that I can just be there. Yeah. So things like that, I could go on and on, but really the ones we talked about are the most impactful on me when I'm in a hard place. Yeah. So get creative on what works for you, our listeners. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Where can people find you? This will all be in the show notes too. everything that Ashlyn says, but where can people find you? So it's Instagram is this dot is Ashlyn, A-S-H-L-Y-N-N. And then my website, this is Ashlyn and my podcast, this is Ashlyn. So I'm there. I coach women after betrayal and it's in a group setting, which I am a giant fan of. I'm a fan of individual therapy and couples, but group setting is just when you have a lot of shame around what's happened to you, which I know you can relate to, there is power in collective energy of healing and learning from each other. Knowing you're not alone. Yeah. Even if it's not the exact same story, but knowing people carry other stories as well. Yeah. We learn from each other. So it does like you're never going to have the same story as someone else. Never, ever. So I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Love what you do. It was so fun to connect with you. And um, (laughs) thanks. And we look forward to, well, I look forward to our audience now finding you as well. So many women are going to benefit from this and men as well. I like we all need it. Oh, you guys, I just loved interviewing Ashlyn today and I hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope that there's something that you were able to take from that, that you were able to feel seen, loved and supported through her calming, wonderful presence. Now go be bold, go be true to yourself and go do the healing that you need.
seek the help that you need and support in that. And if Ashlyn is your person for that, go check her out. All of the links for her information are in our show notes and you can find her on her podcast. This is Ashlyn as well as on Instagram. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.